As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So today we're going to take a look at sales from the entrepreneur's perspective. We have Jason Lankow, who is the founder of Column 5 and Visage, Column 5 being a content marketing company that he founded over eight years ago. Visage is a visual content platform that came out of a lot of the problems that they found at Column 5. And so Jason, he started selling it an early age, you know, at 11, he was going door to door for his father. And he took a lot of those early lessons. First, he's going to give it to us today. And second, we're going to learn how he applied them to his business on both the consulting and the product side. This is a really good one. Stick around. We're going to get right into it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. 
So before we get into the interview here, we're just going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Jason, thank you so much for for coming on. We're really excited to talk uh, today about some sales. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So to give me uh, an overview. You're running um, two companies, essentially, but they're very complementary. Give me an overview of Visage and Column 5. Yeah, so my co-founders and I started Column 5 about eight years ago now in Newport Beach, California. And we initially started out Basically, blogs at the time were, you know, for companies were just announcements and occasionally, you know, kind of a self-promotional blog post about, you know, the, the latest product release or something. And so we saw, you know, with kind of the emergence of social media at the time, an opportunity to help brands start thinking more like publications and creating more interesting content that could actually be promoted. And so we drew a lot of inspiration from the world of, uh, you know, New York Times and Good Magazine and USA Today, who were doing really beautiful, you know, two-page spreads with infographic design. And so we took that to some of our early clients and, you know, took a more editorial angle rather than the brand-centric self-promotional angle on, you know, making their blog content more visual and engaging. And that worked really well to help get, you know, distribution and media pickup and traffic and links and so forth to their, uh, to their site. So about three years into, you know, our growth with Column 5, we took an interest in, you know, creating different tools and we formed a labs division at our company. And one of the first projects uh, or experiments is what would become Visage eventually. And so we, you know, started out and had, you know, basically one developer working on it full time and then added a second and then a third and then, you know, this project or experiment started becoming, you know, taking on a life of its own and, and we realized needed to become its own separate company and uh, spun it out in 2013, primarily so that we could go raise separate capital and, you know, create a unique business model for the software company itself. But you're still, um, it, they're, they're still working very closely together, right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. So we we work in we have an office in Irvine, California, and Brooklyn, New York. So, um, you know the two hippest cities. Uh, that's kind of a joke if you know <laughs> Irvine. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we we basically have uh, you know a growing team at Column Five in both offices, and then uh, Visage has an office in each location as well, and so. I'm, you know, still co-founder of Column Five, uh, but most of my day-to-day focus over the last couple of years has been on the new company at, at Visage. Nice, and you have a long history of sales yourself. Um, take me back to the beginning about when you started to learn kind of the art of selling. Yeah, so I, you know, kind of when I first wanted to buy a pair of Air Jordans in <laughs> elementary school, and uh, you know, my parents didn't just go buy them for me and said I needed to earn the money. Um, I was like, okay, how? <laughs> and my dad basically was like, okay, you can go, you know, knock doors with me and help. He, he had a landscaping company and he said, you know, you can help me get leads for new jobs. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> um, you know, I think I was like maybe 11 and 
which I think is pro- was probably illegal too, but whatever. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, Never too young to start learning that. Yeah. <laughs> Send your kids out in like 40 or like 30 degree <laughs> weather to help you generate leads for your business. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was, it was cool because uh, I remember, you know, in the, in the winter he would, it was, you know, too cold to work on landscaping in Colorado. So he would, work for a dairy, um, like basically selling uh, milk delivery and subscriptions. And I remember walking in to the dairy in, in Denver and seeing walking down this hall and I was like, dad, your name is like on all of the plaques. Like, and he had basically been like, you know, salesman of the month every month and broken all of these records and, and stuff for selling. And even to the extent that um, I remember him telling me that the delivery drivers were getting really pissed off at him because they were making the same amount of money, but they had to deliver, you know, twice as much and sometimes three times as much milk on their routes, which was, um, so he actually ended up uh, in some cases that, you know, he had to like do his own deliveries too, like, cause he was adding customers at such a rapid pace and so it was like a cool thing because I uh, you know I was like proud of that and I, I also wanted to learn like what he was doing but I was also really scared of it you know because I, I was like I'm not as good as you at this you know I don't know how to do this and is kind of first lesson of like you know the even just the psychology 101 of sales that mm. it, you know so much of it just has to do with belief even if it's um unfounded okay. first. <laughs> you know because he's just like no you're great at this you're doing great I'm like oh i haven't sold anything you've sold you know 10 of these in the last hour and he's like you're doing great bud just you just just keep getting up there and and it was it was just cool to um i get a fond memory to look back even though i was usually pissed off at him for making me you know continue to do it and for that being the only way i could make money at the time but uh it was a good good lesson in just like, you know, pounding the pavement and figuring it out. Yeah. What, what did you take forward, um, you know, into your sales today? Were there any, any lessons that you learned from going door to door? Yeah, I think it's, you know, even today, you know, there's, I think most people who do sales of any kind can kind of relate to, uh, you sometimes end up in cycles where you're, um, where a lot of your business is closing and you or kicking off after you've closed and your uh, a lot of your time is dedicated to those activities and then you know you need to go replenish you, you go through other seasons where you're just needing to build pipeline and drum up mm-hmm. new opportunities um, and and I think that like just that instinct of of recognizing when you need to just start building more pipeline again and and hustling again and saying like okay I'm you know, whatever. Okay. I'm, I'm a CEO of a company, but I'm going to like walk around in the rain from meeting to meeting in San Francisco because this person I'm talking to today is going to be, you know, a warm opportunity next year. Um, and, and you just start, I think that's like that hustle and, and being willing to, you know, just hoof it around the city <laughs> from meeting to meeting. And I think I, I can't remember who said this, but it's like you have to almost be delusional enough to think that like even though, you know, one out of 10 or one out of five or whatever your odds are of closing a deal, um, like even though, you know, odds are that nine out of 10 people you're talking to aren't going to actually close a deal with you, 
you have to be delusional enough to go into every single one of them thinking that it's going to work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard. It's, uh, it's hard to keep your head up after a while. <laughs> yeah. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. So um, talk me through your sales process today um, between Visage and Column 5. How, how do you guys run that sales process? Yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty neat shift over the last year in particular where, you know, I think, I think in, like anybody uh, in sales, you know, it, it's easy to get enamored of new logos. And, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever stop loving, you know, getting a referral or introduction or somehow opening a door into a new brand who we've always wanted to work with. Um, but I think I've become increasingly a uh, believer in and, and like excited, actually legitimately excited about, uh, you know, nurturing existing accounts and existing relationships and just seeing that that activity is often so much more fruitful than going in blind uh, to to another organization where you don't know anybody um, and I think it's diff- you know you need to have you know at a, at a certain level of growth you need to have your outbound activities and you need to develop and new relationships and open up new doors um, but at the same time there's so much untapped potential in uh, the outreach to your existing customers and growing those existing accounts that I think we all can leave money on the table in that sense. And, you know, while you're chasing somebody new for a hundred dollars, you might be missing the opportunity to go to somebody who already knows and likes and trusts you, who is willing to spend 10,000 more dollars with you. And so, you know, I was looking at, uh, one of our longtime customers, uh, of column five, who's also a Visage customer, the other day, and you know they they've been a good, a really great customer for a long time, and I realized just trolling around on LinkedIn, I was like, wow, they have you know our our ideal customer of both column five and Visage is usually a a marketing manager, um, in some cases, you know, VP of marketing or you know, senior content marketing manager. Uh, I realized looking looking at on LinkedIn. I was like, wow, we've worked with, you know, about 20 of their 4,000 marketers, <laughs> you know, and you just realize the the potential there of, of really intentionally connecting with all of the other people in similar roles at, at those organizations that, you know, that you've already worked with. So what is your process when you go to reach back out uh, to someone like that? You know, to say, uh, I think I... I I wonder if this is a good opportunity to tell people to just stop doing the uh, templated prospecting emails that, <laughs> where it's like, you know, press three for help if you've been kidnapped by aliens or whatever. Like, just no one thinks that's a personal email. And right. I, I, maybe it's working for for somebody if if they're continuing to do it. But I uh, uh, that's just instant unsubscribe for me. <laughs> um, 
I, I think it's it's really important and I think pays dividends to just even if it's similar, even if part of the outreach is is templated, to have something in there that lets them know like, okay, this is a human being contacting me. You know, especially if if you're reaching out on LinkedIn, you know, you get so many spammy messages on LinkedIn every day. And I think just like a, you know, for me, like a short human uh, uh, outreach is usually very uh, productive. It's a good use of my time. You know, it, it doesn't take a long time to craft, you know, a two to three sentence personal email. And, you know, just if it's an existing, say, like a new contact at an organization that we've worked with a lot in the past, just saying like, hey, we've worked, you know, we've done a lot of work with this person, this person and this person at your organization. Would you like me to email you some examples of what we've been doing? It's pretty non-threatening and straightforward. It's You're not like hiding the fact that you obviously want to work with them and have them pay money to you at some point. Um, but you're not like, it, I don't know, there's just, it, and, and that comes down to, you know, a natural personal style and, and what fits and feels natural, like in your own communication, you know, so that feels natural to me and real for me to reach out that way, but it might not for someone else. Mm. How do you help your team um, kind of find their voice and find their groove when they're, when they're selling? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think we're. I, I feel blessed that I have good co-founders, and uh, we also have a really strong managing director who at Column Five who uh, was a the VP of business development and kind of my sales counterpart for uh, the early days of Column Five's growth. And we have very, you know, my co-founders and I and and him as well. We have. Uh, very different communication styles and different strengths, different weaknesses. And I think that is a cool, I'm learning to really see it more and more as a blessing because as we have new people come into our organization, you know, and specifically in in sales, for example, uh, as they see, say with me and uh, our managing director, Jake Burkett, as they see us doing things very differently and finding our own kind of path in the door, I think they can say, okay, wow, these are the common denominators that are working. But I think they also observe, here's how Jake does it. Here's how Jason does it. And they find, and we encourage them to find their own communication style that works really well for them. You know, so some people end up being, um, you know, we've had salespeople who've been very formally, you know, classically trained, you know, almost in the in the Xerox method, you know, where, where they're going through, you know, eight to 10 weeks of very intense training and have a, a really strong methodology. And we have other people who are uh, just thoughtful, creative people who uh, are good at developing relationships and, and getting people to like them and trust them and, and they're responsive and come through for people and they grow accounts that way. And I think it's been it's it's been really neat to see people. I think we can really encourage that, and we're not trying to build you know an army of robots. Um, but at the same time, there is uh, it, it is really important to have and and develop you know some best practices and and processes as well, so that it's because you can't have everybody doing everything completely differently either. Right. Right. So it's kind of a mix between finding their personality and then molding it into, <coughs> excuse me, a process that works. Yeah. Yeah. What is, um, 
So what's kind of, what are you excited about um, looking forward uh, for Visage and, and Column 5? I'm excited right now uh, because, you know, when, when we first separated the two companies, we thought, you know, okay, I've, for me, I thought, okay, I need to figure out how to sell software. And I, even though I heard people say, you know, you're not selling software, you're selling a solution or, you know, whatever anecdotal things you, you hear. When I look back on, you know, what I was doing two years ago, I was, you know, just impersonating whatever anyone had ever done who sold software to me. It was like, time to get you on a demo, time to give you your trial, now time to give you your price quote, you know, and um, here's how many seats you get for X dollars. And, you know, sometimes that works. And I think it especially works when somebody already knows that, um, you know, that your thing satisfies their particular need, which is a great goal for any software company to actually build something that people need. Um, But for startups and, you know, when you're an early stage software company where you, you know, you need to sell, you need to um, grow your business, but, you're also still kind of finding your way. You're still learning your market. You're still trying to build a product that fits that market's needs. Um, it can be really, uh, can you don't have like a lot of fish jumping in the boat, you know? So you kind of just do your best. And what what I think the, uh, uh, like an epiphany moment for me in, in our business where, you know, we started getting, you know, started hitting our goals and started getting, you know, at least our own modest growth and traction initially was when I, I kind of just said like, I need, I need to stop banging my head against the wall here, you know, like giving, doing demos and meetings and then handing them off the, the tool f- to use for free for 30 days or 60 days or whatever, just is taking too long. And, and to like, we're just perpetually in this free mode. And so I just started, you know, we, when we made some choices about our market focus on, you know, various you know, they, the job title takes various forms, but so okay. We're four content marketers. That's who we know. That's, you know, that's who we've been working with for most of the last decade. And it's just a, a market we understand. And we started looking at it and it was like, well, how do these people buy? And how do they, when do they have money? And when, you know, when should we be talking to them? And, you know, we, it was kind of a hard realization to go, okay, well, these, you know, say like a content marketing manager, they're not out shopping for a lot of tools or software or, uh, and they don't necessarily always have the purse strings for a technology purchase, but they do have uh, oftentimes the ability to access in some cases, extraordinary budgets for individual deliverables and project based work. And, you know, it's so somebody who can't get authorization to spend $39 a month on a credit card might be turning around and spending $30,000 with somebody for, to get a presentation designed. Um, and it's um, almost crazy <laughs> in, in some cases, but um, it's just kind of the state of things. And so accepting, accepting that reality, you know, for us was, it was kind of tricky because it's like, okay, we're, we're a software company though. We don't like, we're not, we don't want to do project-based work. We aren't, we don't want to be consultants doing, you know, services. That's not the type of business we set out to create. And that's not what we're trying to sell with our platform, but it's, but that's not, but our buyers and our market don't care about (laughs) what we're trying to do. You know, they, they care about what they're trying to do. And so, 
what, what we've looked at and what I'm really excited about is, you know, we don't have to try to swim totally upstream against that behavior. We can kind of roll with it and go, okay, you know, Mr. Marketer, you have, you know, $5,000 in your pocket and your hair on fire because something is due next week. Okay, we can help you get that done and source that. And then, but we're also going to take, say what we design and we're going to put it in our platform so that you can, uh, you know, next time you're in a pinch, you can just leverage this design in a tool that is really easy to use and, uh, you know, get, get a piece of content in your branding done really quickly and easily. And what what was interesting about that, you know, the first time I did that, it was for a major uh, professional sports league that, you know, kind of like a dream client. And they had a very small budget, a very tight turnaround, and I would say faint interest in our product at best. And I said, okay, we'll meet your tur- your rush turnaround. We'll get this job done for you you know, below what we really should be charging you. Not, not in those exact words, but I committed to it and did it. And I felt stupid. Like I get off the phone and I just was like, I'm blowing it. Like, this is not what it should be doing. (laughs) Okay. And, but fast forward a few months, you know, we got that rush project based thing done that gave this person budget that they don't always have. And now, you know, and we, but it gave us time to kick into customer success outreach and to say, hey, by the way, you already paid, you know, for this tool as part of that project we did. And, you know, here's some things we just updated in the product. Here's some things, um, you know, that, that we've added that you might like. And through that communication and building a relationship and helping them, when the renewal came around, uh, they they were like, hey, you guys have actually you know added a lot of the functionality we were hoping to have when you first started with us, and you know, we'd like to renew with you. And so, you know, long story short, I I think like the lesson there and the thing that I'm also really excited about is that you know the we we had to we we kind of listened to our market there, and we we were willing to just even admit where we had been wrong in our approach. And to just say like, okay, how can we set ourselves up to, you know, capitalize on the way that this customer is kind of already conditioned to buy? How are they already spending money and trying to solve this particular problem? And how can we kind of meet them halfway, but also guide them in the process into a new way of doing things? Mm, very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's always an evolving process. So. Um, where do we keep up with you, Visage, uh, column five online? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, it's Jason Lanko, L-A-N-K-O-W. Uh, so on Twitter, it's just at Jason Lanko. Uh, and then Visage is Visage, V-I-S-A-G-E dot C-O. And column five is column5.com, C-O-L-U-M-N-F-I-V-E.com. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. And that wraps up our sales series. And I have to say, I'm kind of sad to see this one come to an end. I feel like we've really dug in 
deep into sales and there's still so much to learn. Uh, so we'll be doing sales again. Sales never really goes away. But next is data. We're going to dive into data from all different angles. We've been doing some phenomenal interviews, so I know you're going to enjoy them. We're going to take a week and finalize some of the episodes and make sure they're right uh, for you, for the listening. Um, so next Wednesday, we're going to have an interview, a catch-up with Brett Holger of New Story. They've been doing phenomenal. They have a bunch of really great updates. And, and new initiatives that they're taking on. So that'll be really exciting to hear about. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Pipe Drive, for this whole series. Uh, without them, we couldn't bring you this amazing content. So support us, support them. Go to pipedrive.com forward slash rocket ship and you get two months absolutely free of their phenomenal CRM for small teams with big ambitions. If you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter rocketship.fm you can follow me michael saka joel at joel goldman and we'll see you here on wednesday with another fantastic interview